We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome in to the Rotowire NFL podcast brought to you by Yahoo Daily Fantasy. We got a huge show today. We've got the full slate of week one preseason action finally upon us uh, coming up this evening. We'll also have you know some straggling games uh, coming up Friday and Saturday of this week. But football, you know, beyond just the Hall of Fame game, which was fun to watch, I, I guess. Uh, but that, uh, you know, now we get a, a full menu of games. We got 11 games coming up on thir- on Thursday night. So we're going to get into those a little bit. We're going to get into some news and notes. And we're also going to get into Mario's uh, best ball draft, the most recent one. He did the mega tournament. Uh, but before we get to that, it's officially August, which means football season is around the corner. And Yahoo Fantasy has introduced a, fantasy, a new fantasy football game called Best Ball that lets you get in on the action now. With Best Ball, you draft your fantasy football team and that's it. You don't need to do a thing once you've drafted your team. Each week, the top scoring players at each position on your roster will automatically count towards your weekly score. Forget about the time commitment. No waiver wire, no trades, no adding or dropping players, no having to make those tough start-sit decisions. Uh, Focus on the best part of fantasy, the draft. 
tired of doing mock drafts for your fantasy football team and having only other players drop out early and not finish the draft? Free best ball leagues give you the most accurate ADP or average draft position of players before the season starts. Can't get enough fantasy football, but don't want to manage those teams all season? You can draft up to 50 best ball teams. Play for free or play for cash, but most importantly, get to drafting with Yahoo Fantasy Best Ball. Join a league today at yahoo.com slash best ball. Mario, hello. Hey, how are you doing? Doing all right. I'm pretty excited for, for tonight. I'm glad that, uh, you know, we get a full full look at preseason a little bit tonight. You know, not just the being held captive to the one Falcons-Broncos game. I mean, not that this is going to be high-quality football that we're seeing tonight, but it, it's at least we get to choose a little bit. Yeah, and if some player does some whatever-it-is thing, it's a chance for us to immediately take to the internet and start declaring ourselves the winners and or others the losers. I love uh, to do that. Yeah, so it's like uh, Juwan Winfrey touchdown in that first game. Yep. Time you you put that confetti in the ceiling for a reason. Look at and the And it's body time to control. it's time to bring it down. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so needless to say, I'll be meticulously following every stupid little detail and uh, keeping a precise score of all the accolades people owe me if if some player i flippantly you know express fondness of in the past does something other than terrible i'm, I'm here to cash in yeah i mean we're, we're talking guys that you know were cash prospects out, I guess. three four years ago that you know are, are maybe on their third or fourth team that maybe have two catches tonight victory lap time yeah and if you didn't say what i said about that player you're Dumb. so stupid i hate you <laughs> unbelievably just foolish uh you know a non-football fan in my opinion if if you disagree but uh before we get into the slate tonight um i want to get into some news and notes obviously the most uh kind of landscape altering move of of the week arguably um was was the browns making the trade this morning trading uh duke johnson to houston i think that that satisfies a lot of you know things that that needed to happen. I, I think that Duke Johnson in, in Cleveland was something that just wasn't going to happen into the season. I think with Houston and the way things panned out with Deontay Foreman, obviously kind of not being able uh, to live up to their standards, and obviously getting shown the door and shown the door earlier this week, it showed that Houston was definitely a candidate. I, I know that you mentioned Tampa Bay or, or Jacksonville as other p- potential landing spot or Miami. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but other places yeah. where Duke Johnson could have ended up at some point this offseason. So goes for a fourth rounder that's a conditional one. So if he is active for 10 games, it turns into a third rounder for Cleveland. So yeah. pretty shrewd on Cleveland's part, but I think also fairly necessary on Houston's part because I thought I was kind of starting to get a little bit just like disoriented thinking that Demaria Crockett was going to actually be a fantasy factor. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big Duke Johnson fan. I literally think he's better than Kareem Hunt, for instance. But I just kind of don't like the trade for Houston in the sense that it was, A, orchestrated by Bill O'Brien. They don't even have a front office right now, or at least they don't have a GM. It's going well. And so that that's already like a conflict of interest. Like coach on the hot seat is going to be willing to trade future assets to like buy him even if it's just a half a season's worth of leash like hey bill you want to get fired in week eight or week 17 like oh, i'll trade a second rounder if you give me the 17 it's like deal <laughs> so uh i know he didn't do a second rounder but it it's a third rounder if duke johnson doesn't get hurt that's what the trade is so uh he could get hurt but they don't plan on that so they basically plan on trading a third rounder 
And it's not as if this is a rental. I mean, Duke's got, I don't know, he's got like three more years or something on his contract. And he's pretty affordable. And he's also subtly good insurance for Kiki Kuti if he gets hurt. He might might even be better as a slot receiver than Kuti. And I know Kuti did very well last year, but uh, Kuti could also play outside. So this also is a bit of insurance against Will Fuller if his knee or whatever else is problematic they can just move Kuti outside and Duke can play a lot of slot receiver I think I don't want to misquote Duke but I think he said actually recently he would rather be a receiver than a running back and I don't know if that's just him kind of flippantly acknowledging you know the job uh the the salary market for running backs versus receivers or I mean, he, it's, yeah it's smart business right there yeah it would be smart business uh but he's played running back his whole career so it would have been weird if he just kind of was holding in the whole time like oh i hate this by the way i'd rather <laughs> do something else but uh in any case i think he's really good i think he's really good as a runner if they want to use him that way he's very uh self-evidently a really good receiver he's i think every bit as good of a pass catcher as someone like alvin kamara uh, as far as other running backs go so um but yeah once they had jarvis landry in cleveland they cut off so many of those slot snaps that would have other just otherwise justified duke johnson's contract so uh i basically i think bill o'brien bailed out john dorsey here wow yeah i mean i think that's a no that's a really good way way of putting it where uh yeah, Cleveland really benefits from this uh, in, in a huge way. I mean, getting getting you know th- potentially third round value for a guy that you know I think that they were looking to move, like actively trying to move, uh, despite maybe what they what they put out in the public. I think that th- this again, I didn't think that Duke Johnson was going to open the season uh, with them. So, getting a third round potentially from from a conference foe. Not, I mean, that's a pretty good fallout if you're Cleveland, but yeah, and they got Dontrell Hilliard anyway, who by all accounts is doing a really good job. And even though he was at Tulane in college, where they were almost running like a wishbone kind of offense yeah, in his Willie last Fritz, couple, baby, yeah, so he was in that kind of offense, and yet he was really good. I know it was a small sample, but I want to say he caught ten of eleven targets last year, kind of playing off the bench. I don't think he got a carry. So it's he's already shown he's a really good pass catcher, or at least he's giving us reason to think he might be. And based on his Tulane resume, you can reason he's a good runner, too. So, And then again, all the beat writers are saying in camp, too, Dontrell Hilliard's doing a really good job. I'm not even convinced Kareem Hunt. I mean, I mean, Kareem Hunt is better than Dontrell Hilliard, almost certainly. But Hilliard might be good enough that when Kareem Hunt is activated, he's surprisingly peripheral in the offense. Okay, so basically, um, as you could probably imagine... And you, having done so many best balls, you know what the draft market ADP looks like. But uh, Hilliard, basically free, uh, basically going undrafted most places. Duke Johnson, uh, his ADP, um, and this is dating back to this past week, so uh, August 1st, um, going around pick 161. How do you anticipate their markets changing from here on? Yeah, Duke Johnson's definitely going to go up. I don't know if it's – like, I'm I'm – probably higher on Dontrell Hilliard than most people because most people probably don't even know who he is but I would I don't think I'm going to target him at all it would have to be like a draft where a bunch of people took like seven running backs before I would take Hilliard probably just because I I do believe Kareem Hunt is good despite my insistence that he's not as good as everybody seems to think so eight games at best of a clear you know avenue it could work I mean, if Chubb gets hurt, Hilliard's going to do a lot of things, and he'll probably be pretty good at it. So there's always that 
possibility. It's just I usually like the odds of some other guys. And meanwhile, I don't I don't know what to I don't know what people think of Duke Johnson. Like if everybody was as high on him as I am, they'd probably start thinking of taking him in like the ninth round or something, which I don't even know if I would want to pay that. Uh he was going in like the fourteenth, fifteenth a lot. I think he would have paid off safely in that range, even if he had stayed in, in Cleveland. So I'm kind of surprised more people weren't speculating on the chance of him getting traded, you know. But uh, I think it's it's like a lateral move in the sense that I think Lamar Miller will still start every game that he's able. But there's there's more chance for, I think, injury between Couty and Fuller than there were in the Cleveland guys. And Cleveland has just way deeper receivers in general. Yeah, And, uh, of course, I mean, Alfred Blue was playing about 450 snaps a year I think in in Houston and that's similar to what uh that's similar to what Duke was playing in Cleveland but uh I just I just think he's going to get more specific snaps as a running function like it's not going to be so many like so many of his Cleveland snaps were just they're not running it on this play mm-hmm. like there's just no chance they're running it on this play and at least that should change with Houston okay so so there's a chance that he has like a you know he's being put in, in a better spot one where the defense can exactly read exactly what's going on yeah I would guess I would guess that he that Duke will go in something like maybe the maybe the ninth or tenth in PPR maybe like the tenth eleventh in others but I feel like I was seeing Deontay Foreman going in that kind of 10th, 11th round range anyway. Yeah, he was Yeah, he, he was going, if I remember correctly, and, and I, I still have that that's best ball slow draft still going on. We're finally in the 20th round here, but I think... Oh, my God. I know, right? It's the I'm one of three people with average pick times under an hour. You got to put those people on blast. I, I, oh, I'm going to, pal. But um, yeah, I think Foreman was, went around like pick one, 110 or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I I haven't run, I haven't like recalibrated projections on Houston, but so I don't know for sure where I would take Duke. Uh, but I will say it's not good for Kiki Kuti that he's there, and it's it it shouldn't change that much for Jordan Thomas because I think Jordan Thomas, if he's going to justify himself this year, it'll be as like a red zone specialist anyway, and I don't think Duke is a particular concern as far as that goes. But Jordan Thomas did before today have that upside scenario of. Well, if Kuti gets hurt or if Will Fuller gets hurt, Jordan Thomas might be the third best general pass catcher in the offense, and that's definitely not the case now. Like he's at most the fourth. Okay, so that, so that, or uh, fifth, fifth rather. So Sorry. that takes him down yeah. j- just a little bit, and then again, just one last valuation on Hilliard. Is this something where he's like firmly on your on your potential draft radar? You know, from from here on. Well, I took him actually, and the the. Uh, uh, Wes Huber from Pro Football Focus runs a uh, Devi league that I split a team with Dalton Del Don, mm-hmm. and I actually took Hilliard in uh, the free agency draft a couple months ago. So I think he's Ooh. definitely worth owning in Dynasty at this point because he should be the top backup to Nick Chubb for eight weeks. And you know, n- no, no number two running backs are free agents in Dynasty leagues, so that should immediately apply to Hilliard at the very least. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. He's he's interesting. I think I, I'm considering spending the my uh, the final pick of the draft on him. Yeah, if you got a big bench league, like you, odds are you're going to cut any particular player you take after whatever the 14th round if bye weeks hit. So yeah, big bench leagues like NFFC probably time to start wondering about Hilliard a little bit. Okay, I, I like the way that, that you put that. Um, before we move on to uh, tonight's slate. We got a message from our friends over at Fantasy Draft. FantasyDraft.com would like to bring you an important message about Rake. 
Are you tired of paying high fees to play Daily Fantasy? Did you know that over time, these fees called rake can cost Daily Fantasy players over 30% of their bankroll? As Daily Fantasy sites continue to raise rake, prize pools are being squeezed more and more, making it harder and harder for players like you to win. More rake just means more money lining the pockets of big DFS sites and, and less money for players. But change has arrived. Fantasy Draft has changed the game by bringing you rake-free Daily Fantasy. That's right. You are now able to play your favorite contests without paying any rake. On Fantasy Draft, 100% of the entry fees will be paid out to contest winners 100% of the time. Playing your favorite contests rake-free on Fantasy Draft will save you hundreds or even thousands of dollars in rake every month. Rake-free Daily Fantasy is truly a game-changer. Just imagine what playing on Fantasy Draft is going to do for your bankroll. Register at FantasyDraft.com today to take part in the rake-free revolution. Use promo code RWNFL to receive a free seven-day trial. That's promo code RWNFL. All right, Mario, so let's get into tonight's slate just a little bit um, before we jump into uh, the meat of meat of the podcast with your article. Um, any sort of things that, that you're looking out for, any rookies uh, going tonight that, that are going to be catching your eye that you're going to be tracking a little bit more than, than usual? Uh, to be honest, I haven't looked closely enough at each individual team's like practice tendencies and like whatever political things they're they're weighing as far as like who plays what amount in these games but just generally I guess I'm kind of interested in the Colts because they they were an offense that was really good last year and yet a bunch of the guys who were playing at the forefront last year are now fighting to make the team this year so I don't know if this is too early in the preseason for someone like Paris Campbell or Chester Rock Paris Campbell's of course going to make the team he's he's going to be really good I think um at least in the future but Chester Rogers Zach Pascal those are guys who played a ton of snaps last year and we don't know for sure if they're going to make the team so do they have to play in games like this to start making their case because they can't just put it all up to week three or whatever no yeah that's it that's although this is their first game I guess so I don't know if that's but anyway, um, yeah, I got to say uh, Jeff Risden, who is a – I think it was Jeff Risden. Hang on a second. I'm going to look this up real quick so I don't have a bad habit of trying to recall things people say on the internet and then uh, haphazardly attributing a quote. To, okay, it was Jeff Risden, and uh, he advised taking the Browns receiver Ishmael Hyman, who played at James Madison, I guess. I don't hey, know go who dudes. he is. But uh, that's that's a Browns receiver, I guess, uh, Jeff Risden of uh, the Browns Wire recommending that one. So that's that tells you kind of what's, you know, the nature of this game, this this preseason DFS at this moment kind of game, because uh, I don't know who that guy is. Yeah. And I uh, he might be pretty either. good. I mean, team beat writer thinks so. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, we good saw in DFS, not good in, uh, uh, you know, probably not going to make the team or anything. Probably not. But I mean, he, you know volume is king opportunity is king and over unders of 36 and 35 across the board nice yeah i mean defenses are gonna rule it i'm i am starting to get the itch though i'm i think i'm like by the time that five o'clock rolls around this afternoon i'm probably going to have a lineup and i guess it's the closest you'll get it's the closest you'll get to college football dfs for another two or three weeks or whatever yeah two weeks from saturday praise the lord okay nice so uh yeah i'd really I don't know if I can give any like responsible advice for for like DFS preseason, but uh, yeah, the Ishmael Hyman, uh, Jeff Risden, that's the guy. All right, yeah. keep keep an eye on him, or maybe uh, you know, 
some Tony Pollard action that whenever uh, the Cowboys play, he's apparently making some noise. But uh, let's get into your article here, Mario. Uh, so you've been doing best ball drafts for for a while this off season and and all that, but this is a this is one is a slightly different in terms of um, the the player pool or I'm sorry, like the this is the, the field that you're higher. going against. Yeah, so, so it's a little bit sharper. Yeah, so I I just wrote uh, drafted one team uh, three days ago or whatever, and on the article on the site, the best ball journal, which there there's no paywall on those. You can view that at the NFL section of the site. I just basically narrated and recounted the the draft process in that particular league, which uh, it's it's the same game as draft best ball. Otherwise, it's half point PPR. It's twelve teams, eighteen rounds, no defenses or kickers. So it's not different in that sense. But I at least kind of explained like. My, you know, in the process of going through the picks, I kind of explain my take on the current markets, just kind of incidentally, and I talk a bunch about kind of the bankroll or uh, you know the share percentages that kind of go into the thinking. Because I made a couple picks in this one with guys that I don't normally target that heavily, and uh, after the Duke Johnson trade, I even might be regretting right now selecting Lavian Bell at the ninth pick, who I don't. I guess that was the first uh, pick of his that I made in the draft uh, best ball tourneys. And it's, it's one of those picks where it's like, I'm basically agnostic on him and I can see, I can certainly imagine a scenario where he does well this year, but I've always been in positions where like, it's just a little too early for me to feel comfortable taking him. Or I just see some other player that I definitely know I want to take right there. Like, have you been getting, like, if you've picked at the nine spot other places, have you just been getting, like, receivers at that spot? I think it used to be receivers because the Melvin Gordon holdout has messed things up in recent days. He used to be, like, the sixth, seventh, eighth at the latest. Now he's been, I've seen him going anywhere from the late second to, like, the early fourth. Yeah, he went late last night in these, uh, in the XM host draft that I was in. So, yeah, there's there's that development. Um, there's something else that I'm forgetting about that, uh... How did a Zeke was, Well, the Zeke thing, too, yeah. Where did so, he go? Um, I don't, uh, I don't he remember still went for... fourth in, in mine last, which, you know, went off Wednesday night. So, I mean, that's with full consideration of, of the most recent news on him, and I... Maybe it was just a, a guy just trying to make a statement on how he feels that you know Zeke is going to be out there for week one and playing 16 games. But, I, I mean, at at the four spot, I'm at least considering uh, somebody else. I mean, I, I guess Kamara and Barkley and McCaffrey are off the board, but I'm a Yeah, right now I would, I would probably take David Johnson over Ezekiel Elliott right now. I didn't have to make that call, and I'm pretty sure Zeke still went fifth or sixth or something like that in this draft that I did. And for what it's worth, and also to with a caveat that I basically don't know what I'm talking about, I feel more comfortable about Ezekiel Elliott playing this year than I do Gordon. Oh, yeah. And... I know there's when you look at like the uh, the accountant's view of either player, it's like, well, they have to play. It would be insane to not play if you're either of these two guys. And it's like, I think they know that. I mean, but what Le'Veon Bell already did was kind of insane. Like the same the same reasoning would have said like, well, he can't hold out. Think of all the money he'd lose. And it's like these guys are just being put in a position like a labor situation where they might be willing to do sabotage or martyrdom or whatever, even if it's bad to their bank accounts to do it because they just they they're pissed off and they don't feel like there's anything they can do so they kind of just throwing their hands up and saying like 
all right, like whatever. We'll just we'll just uh, if I'm not see. replaceable, then replace me. Yeah, if if you're if you're saying this won't hurt your team, I guess I'm willing to see who's right about that. And uh, yeah, I don't I don't know what a Gordon. This is a flimsy thing to to reason on, but Gordon in that one clip, I don't know where it was, if it was ESPN or NFL Network or something, but he's like eating dinner in his living room or something with his I don't know friends or dad or something like that, and somebody asked like. Would you hold out if you would? Would you sit out this year if you were Bell? And he was like, "Oh hell yeah," or something like that. Um, and this so, was from last year. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. So um, I don't know what you know the mindsets. The like, there's there's political goals involved with this. Like these guys are basically, um, you know, they're 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 basically f- kind of doing a demonstration for their particular position like they if the logical conclusion of the way all this is going is running backs making a sub union even against the union the players union because they keep getting screwed in these these uh, market trends they do and they have to do something they have to sabotage the market if the market's going to keep doing that to them so uh you don't know what they're capable of and that definitely creeps me out like i i, I think zeke will play this year because i feel like I feel like Dallas is more dependent on him than the Chargers are on Gordon. Oh, 100%. And also, I feel like Zeke, there could be, like, the D- Dallas has something like $24 million in cap space, and the presumption is, like, well, they have to pay Dak, Cooper, and Zeke all kind of right now, but only one of those players is threatening a holdout. So I can kind of imagine something getting done, like they, they're able to move things around just enough. Get maybe like a give shake deal with Dak or something. Maybe that, or at least like just giving Zeke like a big raise for this year or something like that. But not that way they can kind of do funny money with Dak's extension and Cooper's extension. If they do all three, then it's like their pay will kind of hit in a you know landslide next year, and Zeke's will mostly hit this year. That kind of thing. And correct me if I'm wrong, but do you think that? when it comes to Dak, that Carson Wentz's contract extension could be a bit of a, a blueprint for this. I, I know that he, yeah, I don't know. He would be entering his, he's entering what his fourth season. Dak. Uh, both of them. Oh yeah, I guess so. Yeah, Wentz and, and Dak, but uh, Dak, this is the end of his contract, obviously. And, and Wentz by virtue of being a, a first round selection uh, gets that fifth round or was going to get that fifth round option. So I think that like, he's not making like a ton of, money like against the cap this year but maybe they converted a bunch of it to like the salary or the uh, signing bonus for for this year but there there's some way to like kind of have things start to like really kick in uh for Wentz like next season I think that maybe that could be a blueprint for, for yeah, the, what Dallas wants to do yeah the Eagles front office I can't remember the GM he's doing a lot of uh, Roseman is that right might be yeah and he's, whoever it is is doing a lot of uh tricky stuff that like the rest of the league is just not really hip to for some reason yet uh, maybe Dallas, yeah, can just start to plagiarize that method and, and make it, you know, uh, just mortgage the future a little bit to to get into this year because uh, it just seems like it would take a lot. Like like it would. I know Jerry doesn't want to just cave to some player. He, he thinks he's a you know big, important, powerful man or whatever, and he would hate to do that. But there's also a different access to access to his pride, which is. He really thinks he's going to win the Super Bowl this year. Mm-hmm. And he knows if he doesn't have Zeke, they're not going to do it. Like, it's one thing to say, like, well, it's a, obviously better for the long-term interest. Jerry can't think that way. Jerry doesn't have normal person brain. Like, he he just thinks, like, oh, I was going to win the Super Bowl this year. Now I uh, got a, this complication. But if we just solved this complication, we'd win the dang Super Bowl. Like, I think that's what's in his brain. 
So I, I can't imagine he has the impulse control to not do what he thinks is tantamount to assuring a Super Bowl win, which would be just getting Zeke into the getting Zeke to the team somehow. Yeah, that that needs to happen. And like you said, if they have any shot at winning the Super Bowl this year, which I don't really think they're not so, going to go anywhere near it. <laughs> um, but you know, it's I mean, it's, Jerry it's a disagrees. certainty if if Zeke is not uh, playing for them. And again, back to the Wentz thing for a second. He's only making seven twenty in base salary this year, with, with most of his money coming on the signing bonus. Uh, he's making. Making uh, 1.3 million next year, and then the the big uh, contract numbers uh, start to kick in uh, in 2021 for Wentz. So I think that 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 could be you know some way to to get you know part, one third of the equation getting uh, Dak under contract. That that's one way of going about it. Yeah. So I basically am planning on Zeke playing, but I, it's it's one of those things where it's easier said than believed i guess because i like I, I don't know anything can happen i it's not i definitely didn't see the the lavian bell thing last year coming so i could be wrong about everything for all i know but it does add anxiety to the running back market and so at the ninth pick which is as far as like four picks later than i sometimes see lavian bell go i thought well why not now why not get a lavian bell share it's not as if i hate him i don't have any reason to never have him on any of my teams and uh you know it's in a draft like this i didn't know what to expect but i thought maybe other people are anxious about running backs and you know maybe carry on johnson or somebody goes like 18th overall and in that case i'll be like oh i'm glad i took bell at nine so i'm not getting to my third pick and we're down to like Kenyon drake or something like that so took bell there and then i got a similar player in uh as far as that i don't have him that much even though i don't dislike him this year that's Keenan Allen in the third round. I took Evans, Mike Evans in the second. And in hindsight, you know, in hindsight being this Duke Johnson trade, I kind of wish I had taken Nick Chubb at that pick. But Evans should do fine. I mean, I'm definitely high on Evans. And I was able to get a little bit of a Tampa passing game stack going by getting Chris Godwin in the fourth. So that's that's a good thing to have, I think, if you're, if you're lucky enough to make the uh, playoff round of these best ball tournaments. You'll want to have some teams that are still going strong despite the cold weather and the Tampa passing game being in Tampa Bay should be uh, you know, safer from that than a team like Seattle or whatever uh, when it gets cold. Green Bay. Or Green Bay, yeah. Um, so yeah, I like getting Evans and Godwin as a second and fourth round pick cost. I'll, I'll sign up for that pretty much every time. And I'm really high on Godwin this year. I've seen some people expressing skepticism and I... This is a weird one because, like, usually I can kind of at least describe the argument of other people, even if I don't agree with them. This time I can't. I don't know what Chris Godwin skeptics are even talking about. I don't know where they start to express what, their view. What do they start to say other than other than I'm not getting shares of him? Well, I I don't know what it is. I I've actually looked for it and I can't find it. But I think. I, I don't know. I'm trying to be charitable and imagine a good argument against him. And the best thing I can come up with is like, well, Adam Humphreys was there and he was playing so much ahead of Godwin and uh, maybe Humphreys isn't that good. So that proves Godwin's bad. Uh, I don't see it that way. Proves Dirk, Dirk Cutter's bad. Yeah, I have no, that's, th- I can't think what they're trying to argue exactly <laughs> because it's like Mike Evans could go for 1500 yards this year. OJ Howard could go for 800 or 900 and Godwin would still have room for upwards of 13 or 1400 because the, there's everyone seems to agree 
that this Bruce Arians passing game is going to go for lots of yards at the very least and maybe lots of touchdowns too and yet we can only identify two targets that are going to do anything because what do we do we think Brashad Perriman's going to go for 700 yards nope uh Justin Watson or Scott Miller I mean those are those are good depth receivers to have and Perriman's interesting but it's I think it's probably like 600 yards that's his cap and Godwin is going to be the slot guy so even if you're you you're holding Humphreys against him or whatever. It's like Humphreys' opportunities are his now. So I don't I don't know what they're talking about. Uh, but yeah, I like Evans, Godwin, and Howard all. I think they're all appropriately priced, and I don't think one needs to fail for the other two to hit their upside scenarios. So I'm trying to get a lot of the Tampa passing game, especially since I have so many stacks of the Colts passing game, and I'm getting increasingly anxious about Andrew Luck and his stupid calf injury. So Tampa sensible kind of target for now for me yeah definitely definitely and I think you you really summed up the the personnel in that passing game and just the overall scheme uh well another you know position group that I'm still trying to figure out it seems like you obviously have a beat on this and and maybe it's it's more like you're capitalizing on on people like uh, my own hesitation and that's the San Francisco backfield you went ahead and grabbed Tevin Coleman uh, in the fifth round with with the ninth pick in the fifth round I just I never know what to do with that spot when when guys like that are available but I still like I'm a little bit thin as far as running back maybe I only have two at, the, at that particular time in the draft usually I'm going after like a Tyler Boyd yeah I was targeting Tyler Boyd in the sixth round I can't tell you who was on the uh, who was available at my fifth round pick when I took Tevin Coleman uh, that was the ninth pick in the fifth round. And I know everyone says it's a reach, but I'm just not convinced of that. I think Coleman's good, and I think that the Shanahan offense will amplify his positive traits. And I think that division is going to be just uniquely up-tempo and high-scoring. And I know that the Seahawks are there, but even Brian Schottenheimer had to throw the ball in fourth quarters last year. And basically, I think with the arrival of Cliff Kingsbury and uh, Kyler Murray, Seattle trading away basically all of its good I know Bobby Wagner's still there but I think getting rid of Frank Clark and Jaron Reed getting suspended and Earl Thomas is gone too Earl Thomas is gone so yeah I can imagine the Seahawks defense just being kind of bad this year which hasn't been the case in 12 years or something so I don't know if we're properly accounting for that possibility and then if it does go up tempo if, if they do start throwing we have a bunch of good quarterbacks and good offenses and not that obviously good defenses so I like targeting that division generally I think Coleman will do a lot I try to get Coleman and Matt Breida stacks because you could oftentimes get Coleman in the six Breida in like the 13th and I think they're both gonna have good games this year and I think having both of them on your team all but locks in 16 San Francisco running back one finishes and I have my various concerns about that team but and, and I don't really trust Kyle Shanahan's judgment that well. But I do think they're going to have a lot of from scrimmage, from scrimmage activity, and it's like just just get s- some people from that offense, and, and you know that that backfield is going to have someone pretty much every week, I think. And I don't think it's going to be McKinnon. Was the yeah? Was there a, a bit of a tweet blowback for for suggesting that Kyle Shanahan might not be the goat? Oh, n- not really. Uh, I mean. If, <laughs> So the thing is, it was it was an athletic beat writer. I want to say Barrows, Matt Barrows, who was he didn't even mean to say like I'm predicting that Marquise Goodwin won't make the team. He was just saying, let's say that these four receivers make the team, and of those four, none were Marquise Goodwin. So I don't know why we would just let's say like let's say anything then. 
Um, but I think Goodwin is pretty clearly a really good receiver. I think it's pretty clear that if they didn't have him on the field, they shrink the field on themselves, and the defense has a lot less to worry about if that speed is not there because Debo's not running past anybody. Even Pettis isn't really running past anyone. And, uh, you know, you can't, you can't bank on Kittle doing 10 yards after the catch per catch two years in a row. So if they want to get rid of Goodwin, have fun playing in a sandbox the rest of the year. But, I mean, that's, that's going to make them so much easier to defend. And I, even if Kyle Shanahan is stupid, I can't believe he's that stupid. Uh, otherwise, we're two years removed from Goodwin playing very well with Garoppolo already, doing like almost 10 yards a target. And uh, he was going in the fifth, sixth round of fantasy drafts last year because he was torching everybody in 49ers camp and it's like was all of that wrong was all of that an illusion or do we think that he's still good I think he's still good I don't think that all was was fake or whatever and I think that the the disappointment in Goodwin's season last year is pretty easily explained by you know the Beathard Nick Mullins well he got hurt a couple times and he had really bad off the field like family stuff going on you can look it up if you want and uh, yeah, if, if Shanahan cuts that guy after what he went through last year, I mean, Shanahan sucks. Like, if he does that, that team is over. For, like, I'll still go after them because they're an up-tempo offense in a league that hates tempo, so they'll just be cheap yardage, basically, as long as he's there. But he has no clue what he's doing if he cuts Goodwin. He, he more specifically has no clue what he's doing if he doesn't make Goodwin a starter on that team. Uh, Debo Samuel, whatever, he's a good prospect. There's not any indication that he can do the same things as Goodwin, no. so there's no need for him to be like the displacing variable. Why would you got a burner on the outside and then Debo something else? Why would why would they be at odds even? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. Yeah, Debo certainly can't do the the stuff that like good. I mean, there are very very few receivers in the NFL period that that can do the kind of field stretching tasks that uh, that Goodwin can. So like yeah. he might be the fastest player in the league. Yep. So and he he was doing totally good uh, two years ago. He's easier to use in best ball, by the way, because he is a, a downfield target, those high depth of target guys. Sometimes the passes are incomplete. You know, it's it's the tougher throws that they have to deal with. So uh, it won't be easy to guess when he's going to go off. But if he's on the field, he's going to. OK. And uh, yeah, I think I think that's a really good way of, of summing up uh, his potential role. And, and yeah, it would be ridiculous if San Francisco were to were to move on from him or, or try to, to lessen his role. He's he can be, a, a you know, really good asset in that in that offense before we get uh, to the rest of your draft uh, we got a message from our friends over at auto new auto new fantasy uh, fantasy football lets you build your fantasy football dynasty like a real gm it's a better fantasy football auction-based deep rosters and college player prospects stash the next rookie of the year while he is still tearing up saturdays trade for superstars to make a championship push develop a team over multiple years play against the best fantasy football competition on the internet visit ottoneu.com today so that's our friends over at auto new telling you about that their awesome uh, dynasty gm uh, type football setup but uh, mario let's get into the rest of your draft here um, let's let's skip down um, i'd say to where, where you started uh, looking at the quarterback position that you waited until the 10th round yeah, so I took Cam Newton there, and in the process, I passed on Jameis Winston, who could have completed the quarterback-receiver-receiver stack for Tampa Bay for me. And I think tournament logic would say that I should have taken Winston because it's like if I'm needing these really unusually high-range outcomes and I'm already invested in Evans and Godwin, then if they do what I need them to do 
anyway so will winston like necessarily and that could be true but i i kept thinking about it and it was like especially in a league like this or a format like this where it's four points per passing touchdown and i just kind of with 10 seconds or whatever left on the clock i was like no cam's better i'm gonna take him so i took cam even though i didn't complete the stack and i'm just hoping that his uh, rushing production and and just kind of like big big game capability uh it suits the best ball format better than uh, whatever you know utility i surrender and and taking winston's uh correlating uh fortunes with the receivers that i picked that might that might hurt me might not but i'm big on cam this year in fact I, he or kyler or lamar i think they're pretty close to each other they're my top three quarterbacks i'm most invested in oftentimes with two of the three on the same team wasn't able to get them i tried to get lamar as my second quarterback in the 11th round but after going in the late 12th even into the 13th all off season lamar is now apparently a mid 11th round pick or at least I, he was in this league that's really interesting i don't feel like the the reports have been like just overly gushing about him from baltimore like it, they haven't been like damning by any means the but past that, couple days for some reason the past couple days there's they're kind of laying it on and i don't know to, to people like, like us we probably practice or something like the split practice with them i guess maybe yeah i don't actually know which uh how far back they're drawing on when they say these things but they're really hyping him now and i don't know to to people like us i don't think it really changes things for us because it's like a lot of people have recently changed their minds like oh maybe lamar jackson's good whereas i've just kind of assumed it all along and uh kind of like how the nick chubb trade or the sorry the duke johnson trade doesn't trade uh change that much for me for chubb because in my brain he's always been like a top eight kind of player like I just I I always had these unreasonably optimistic takes on these players so then when like by chance some news kind of makes it look more plausible I still am in the same place as I was before like I guess there was something similar with Carrion Johnson in the Riddick cut I was like I, I thought everyone thought Riddick was getting cut I thought we all agreed he's no good mm-hmm. um so yeah Lamar I'm not ranking any higher than I did before because he was always uh, a player that I was targeting but yeah it kind of sucks if I can't get him in the 12th now because I don't know how soon or how much I'd be willing to pay in the past I didn't have to think about it because it's just like 13th 12th round like are you kidding me that's easy uh, so yeah I had to get Philip Rivers instead and at least he gives me a bit of a stack with Keenan Allen so if Keenan Allen has a monster year maybe I'll I'll get the quarterback uh, correlation to that um, but yeah I ended up going I get uh, Duke Johnson in the 14th actually so that's nice um but yeah otherwise i mean i'm kind of getting some of my favorite targets like i always do but then otherwise i'm uh just kind of targeting receivers that have uh big week-to-week upside even if they're inconsistent so deshaun jackson calvin ridley marquise brown even dj chark who i got my first share of here he he might do nothing this year but if marquise lee is pretty much on the shelf or if he's just not who he usually is when he whenever he makes his debut I still like Chark enough as a prospect. Like last year's numbers were dreadful, but that sure. offense was cursed and he never stood a chance. And he was young, so um, he's fast. And uh, it seems like they're trying to gun downfield this year in Jacksonville. They have a lot, a lot of speed. They might have the fastest receivers in the league, even if they're not that great. Which is just an an odd like way that that the chips kind of fell. You know, it's not like it, it all happened at once. You know, these guys have joined the team 
over you know the course of of the past couple draft class or, or free agency or what have you but like it, it's funny how all the pieces fell into place where they're all sort of like these unproven speed guys yeah signing conley and terrell Pryor seemed like they maybe they didn't realize it until this offseason they're like what if we just kept getting really really fast guys and maybe we'd be good then and it's worth a shot because it's like i mean how much speed can you really defend like as a defense if conley and shark and Westbrook are all out there like even if they're not that good even if they're bad route runners it just kind of sucks to have to run that much like yeah. those guys cover that much ground you're just gonna get tired yeah yeah no that's uh, that's definitely true I mean it, it's something where where the defense is going to be having to think about that that over the top uh type of play every single time out because yeah like that you can't ignore that that level of speed so yeah along with like Richard Higgins who I took in the 18th round I'm probably going to be looking closely at Chark and uh, maybe even Conley at the last I actually did one draft recently where I took uh, I, I, I went like really heavy on running back early so I only kept five as opposed to the six that I usually do and then I took Conley and Chark back to back so Jacksonville passing game stack like I just like I always expected I would <laughs> could have called that from from February yeah but 17th and 18th round is like oh, why the hell not yeah exactly. they're fast at least maybe the, the, if they get some air yardage at that price I don't even care how bad they are would you consider Conley over Chark at some, at some sure points? I mean he is the veteran and I thought he was really misused in Kansas City as much as the, they probably have a reason for using him the way that they did they were using him underneath and in Georgia, at Georgia, he was just kind of like a fly route guy, which right. is what he sh- kind of should be anyway. If you run a four three five and you have a forty five inch vertical, I don't want you running slants. I want just you get down the field. Just get pass interference calls. That's all I really need of you. So if they send him and Chark downfield and really make the safeties turn and run early in a lot of plays, they could be surprisingly good. I mean, Foles might be pretty good, especially getting Westbrook in the slot if the safeties have to go with Chark and uh, Conley as much as they probably should and if they don't run with them just chuck the ball up see if you can get an interference they might even catch it who knows they they very well may so do you have any other parting shots before we sign off here uh no that's that article again you don't need a paywall to see it although you know you can also get the 10-day free trial to see all the other uh, actually good articles on the site Yes, no, I've I've enjoyed your your best ball journals uh, throughout the off season, and this this one was an interesting one because it, you know you were going after some guys that, that you previously had, and so there was a, a good little glimpse into into uh, you kind of it's like dynamic pro- reasoning. Yeah. It's like I I have my in a vacuum thoughts, but when you're on the clock like that, you kind of start to believe things you didn't realize you did. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, but that's gonna wrap things up uh, for today's show uh, for RotoWire NFL podcast, brought to you by Yahoo. 